Shalom, this is Rabbi Brian. If these podcasts have been a blessing to you, will you consider sponsoring a child at our orphanage in Haiti? Our orphanage is called Beth Chesed, which means House of Kindness in Hebrew. We care for about 40 children. We feed them, shelter them, educate them, and of course teach them about our Lord, Yeshua, the Messiah. Visit www.bethchesed.org. That's www.bethchesed.org to sponsor a child or give a tax-deductible donation. I appreciate you considering it. Now enjoy this podcast recorded at our Mishkan David Shabbat service in Rhode Island. Shalom. The best way and the only way to, to read this Torah and to read the whole of the New Testament is, th- is through the lens of our Messiah, Yeshua. Our Messiah, Yeshua, fulfills all law and all prophets. It's through that lens that this law, that this Torah, that the whole Old Testament comes alive. Similarly, it is true that when you look at the New Testament through the lens of the Torah and through the lens of the Old Testament, words come alive. When you read the words of the New Testament, the writers of the, 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 the intent that the writers of the New Testament, the intent starts to make a whole lot more sense because the writers were all Jewish and they come from a Jewish background. So the Torah sheds light on the writings of the New Testament as well. In fact, sometimes without looking at the New Testament through the lens of the Torah, we can gloss over verses that seem unnecessary or inconsequential, but when we look at it through the lens of the Torah, it comes alive with meaning. And we're going to look at one verse today that comes alive when looked at through the lens of the Torah, looked at through the lens of a Jewish point of view, and specifically through the lens of what we learned in this week's Torah portion, which is the beginning of the book of Leviticus, or in Hebrew, Vayakra. So this is a simple verse in Acts 3. So to set the stage of what is happening here, this is just after Pentecost. Peter has just healed a beggar, a lame beggar. uh, Peter has just healed this beggar, and the people of Israel are marveling. So now Peter stands up to address the people who are marveled at this healing. And he says, amongst other things, he says to the people, And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Messiah, Mashiach, would suffer, he has fulfilled. Now, this is something we can just gloss over when it says acted in ignorance. And I want to focus on what that means when he told the people, you killed the author of life, as it says. But it was an act of ignorance. We can gloss over that as he's just saying, you didn't really know what you did. But I want to tell you right now, from a Torah perspective, it means everything. Everything and has great significance 
for all of us. Let me explain. Acting in ignorance is spoken about in this Torah portion throughout, and it's spoken of in other places in the Torah as well. A sin of ignorance, or in Hebrew, chata b'shegaga. That's a fun word to say. It's like Lady Shigaga. If anybody wants a bad romance, you can read this Torah portion. Or I'm not going to go there. So what is a sin? I make myself laugh. I'm sorry. What is a sin of ignorance? Let's go through some of the scriptures from this Torah portion. Leviticus 4.2. Say to the Israelites, now the whole chapter 4 is all about sins of ignorance. Say to the Israelites, when anyone sins in ignorance and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commandments, it continues on. If the anointed priest sins, meaning in ignorance, bringing guilt on the people, he must bring to the Lord a young bull without defect as a sin offering. So what is, what is the consequence? What do you have to do if you sin in ignorance? The answer is you bring an animal sacrifice. If the whole congregation of Israel sins in ignorance, then the congregation shall offer a young bullock for the sin. So if the whole congregation sins in ignorance, or other translations, unintentionally sins, again, the, the, what you have to do to atone for that sin is an animal sacrifice. Understood? Okay. Leviticus 4.20, all in this Torah portion. When a leader sins, so first it was the priest, then the people. Now when a leader sins in ignorance, I was sorry, I said and, and that's wrong. Sins in ignorance, does, and does any one of the things which the Lord his God has commanded not to be done, he shall bring for his offering a goat, a male without defect. Again, the sacrificial system atones for sins of ignorance. Chatab b'shagaga, sins of ignorance. And continues, now if any one of the common people sin in ignorance in doing any of the things which the Lord has commanded not to be done and becomes guilty, he shall bring for his offering a goat, a female without defect. Again, a sin of ignorance is atoned for by the shedding of blood of an animal. The sacrificial system atones for sins of ignorance. It continues on. If a person acts unfaithfully and sins in ignorance against the Lord's holy things, then he shall bring his guilt offering to the Lord. Again, animal sacrifices. Anybody ever heard the term a sin of ignorance? Okay, some people have, because normally it's, it's, it's a sin is sin. But in the Torah, God makes a distinction between heavy-handed sins, sins with intent, and sins of ignorance or sins that were not intentional. And it concludes, so the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his error, which he sinned, in ignorance and did not know it. It will be forgiven him. So the animal sacrificial system, it's normally thought incorrectly that the sacrifice of animals atoned for all sins. That's not true. It doesn't atone for sins that you need to make reparations or you need to have the penalty put on you. Let me put it this way. If you murder somebody, you don't just give an animal sacrifice and be done with it. 
You have to pay the penalty. The penalty goes on you. If you steal something, you don't just give an, just give an animal sacrifice and be done with it. You have to make reparations and more so. If you lie, if you commit perjury in court, you don't just make an animal sacrifice and be done with it. That would be too easy. You need to, you, the, you incur, the, the punishment goes on you. The penalty goes on you. You must pay the penalty. An animal sacrifice doesn't take care of it. If you, heaven forbid, commit adultery, you don't just make an animal sacrifice. You have to pay the penalty. However, when it comes to unintentional sins, the penalty goes on the animal. For an unintentional sin that you, was committed, but you didn't mean it, you didn't know it, the punishment goes on the animal. The animal takes the penalty, you don't. Does that make sense? Okay, the New Testament even confirms this. Hebrews 9.7, the high priest enters once a year, this is Yom Kippur, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of of the people committed in ignorance. Okay, so getting back. So we understand the concept, right? Now, does Yeshua not fulfill the animal sacrificial system, or does he not? Yeshua's sacrifice fulfills the animal sacrificial system. It says in Hebrews again, it was fitting for us to have a high priest who does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices because he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Yeshua's sacrifice was one sacrifice for all sin for all time. But here's the question. If Yeshua, if, if Yeshua fulfills the animal sacrificial system and the animal sacrificial system is not for murder, it's not for lying, it's not for, you know, carrying a load or lighting a fire on Shabbat, if it's not for the things that require the sinner to incur the penalty, if it's only for the unintentional sins, then how does Yeshua's sacrifice cover all sins? The answer is when Yeshua was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Yeshua on the cross has declared all our murders as, as sins of ignorance. He declared all our stealings as sins of ignorance. He declared all our perversion as sins of ignorance. When he was on the cross, he saw your murders. He saw our murders, our perversions, and said, Forgive them, Father, their sins of ignorance. And because they are sins of ignorance, the sacrificial system is affected and the penalty goes on the animal, who in this case is Yeshua. Do you understand? Can we give him a praise for taking all our sins upon himself? Now we know what Peter meant when he said, I know you acted in ignorance. That means something very specific to his Jewish Israelite audience when they when they are told that it was in ignorance it means that the sacrifice sacrifice is effective for all sins because when Yeshua said forgive them he know they know not what they do he wasn't just talking to the people of Israel he was talking to all of us across time 
This is why Paul says later, and through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Do you understand? Do you understand? All of our sins with Yeshua on the cross, he has declared them unintentional. And imagine that. Think about all the stuff you have done or do in your life. And all the things, you know, just like Paul said, I do what I don't want to do. Oh, wicked man that I am, that the sin that's in me, I just keep doing the things I don't want to do. The one, the author and finisher of our faith who knows our heart says, forgive them, Father. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't intentional. And by me declaring that, because the king can declare what the king wants to declare, it becomes an unintentional sin of ignorance. And now the penalty doesn't go on the sinner. It goes on the sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me, let, me, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Here is your life. Here is the timeline of your life. From here to there. Born to die. Here is where you had sex outside of marriage. Here is where you were not given, you're not giving forgiveness. Here you're being, unfor- you're being unforgiving. Here is when you were gambling. Here is where you accepted the Lord. Here is where you had fear. Here is when you had envy. And here is where you gossiped. When Yeshua said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he took the sins of mankind, your sins and mine, onto the cross with him. He took these sins, this sin, this sin, this sin, this sin, this sin, and this sin, and he put it on the cross. This is what he did. He took all our sins, past, present, and future, and he put them on the cross. So now... Our identity is not linked to the sins. Our identity is no longer linked to the gossip and the gambling and the being unforgiving, unforgiving. He took it all onto the cross with him. So that doesn't become our identity. He becomes our identity. And God wants to use you in power when you accept him, even if you are continuing to stumble and even if you are continuing to fall. Let me, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Here is another timeline. Here is complete sinfulness, like sin through and through, okay? Here, here is complete sinfulness. Here is complete sinlessness. Yeshua. He's the only one that is completely sinless. 
It says he was tempted in all things, yet did not sin. That means that he had the porno movie dangled in front of him and he didn't watch it. That means he was cut off by a driver and he did not become angry at the person. It means he had some married woman try to shack up with him and he didn't take the bait. It means that he could have went and gambled and didn't. He was completely sinless, complete sinlessness, complete sin. Every one of us is somewhere. Do you understand what I'm saying? Every one of us is somewhere. And we can't compare one to the other. I mean, you may be here, you may be here, you may be here. Wherever you are, you're somewhere on the spectrum between sinful, complete, sin, sin, complete sin and complete sinlessness. Okay? You're somewhere on, on, on this thing. But this, where you are on it, I want this to sink in, is not your identity. Because I want to tell you that God wants to use you mightily, whether you're here, whether you're here, whether you're here, whether you're here, wherever you are, God has given you his Holy Spirit to empower you. This is, is, is a reality, but it's not your identity. If it's your identity, we come back under the system of the law. And we are bastions here of the Torah. We are bringing back, resurrecting the parts of the scripture that have been lost in Christianity. The, the fullness of the Torah. We're, we're re resurrecting the Torah itself. But we're not resurrecting the penalty of the Torah. The penalty of the Torah was put on Yeshua. Now and forever. So many people, and I want you to hear this, so many people, after they accept the Lord, focus their identity on, can I just move this a little bit further this way? And that becomes your identity because you are so overwhelmed with guilt where you are. I want to speak life in you. Heaven approves of you. Do you believe that? Heaven approves of you. Do you really think you're any better or worse than the person over here or the person over here? We all mess up. The book of James says you, you, you mess up one commandment, you just screwed it all up. Where you are on this spectrum is not your identity. His sinless righteousness becomes your identity. And now you can be moved it, by him with authority and with power. Many, many people feel like they are just stuck right here and can't be used by God because they are pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, trying to move the marker with a lie that if they stay where they are, they are just outside of God's plan and they cannot be used by him. Let me put it another way. Here is the drug addict. Let's say he's here. He's in the, the fullness of a drug addiction. Now 
He's in recovery. Bless the Lord. He comes and gives his praise report at the congregation. Now he falls into addiction. Now he goes into recovery and he gives his praise report. Now he falls back into addiction. Now he goes into recovery and gives it. Anybody know here that today's, today's prayer requests become tomorrow's praise reports? And today's prayer, praise reports sometimes become tomorrow's prayer requests again? I mean, let's just be real. We're on a journey, okay? We're on a journey. We're on a, it's okay. It's okay. We're on a journey. God wants to use him and has something for him here and here and here and here and here. Let me put it another way. Here in his life is when it is fully victorious, it is fully conquered, and he can move away from it entirely. God is in all time at the same time. That's why God sees him here. He already sees you after you've conquered this thing, after this thing is no more. That's why the God who is in all time can bless you right where you are. Do you know what God is looking for? A broken and contrite heart. He will never despise. We said that about King David. Do you think King David was like this righteous dude? Do you think he was a man after God's own heart because, of his, because he was able to move the marker so close? He, I'll tell you, he was way over here. He was a, a murderer. He was an adulterer. And I don't know about you. I don't know who, who else cringes sometimes. We love the Psalms about search me and know my God. And then like a couple of verses down, kill your enemies, God, and slay them. I don't know how many cringe when you read, may their babies' heads be bashed against stones. King David was a vicious, vicious murderer. He was vicious. This is why he wasn't allowed to build the temple. His hands were so stained with blood. Yet, he was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because his heart was broken. So wherever you are with this, do you have a broken heart about it? Do you know there are some sins behaviors, generational behaviors, that we're, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to move this planted, the pot, than it is to get over and to conquer some behaviors that have been with us probably since the womb. Do you agree? It's easy to, to do certain things, and certain things are just not easy. It's not easy to get over an addiction. It's not easy. And it's easy to listen to the enemy and to fall away. And to take again or to watch again. It's easy. It's hard to get over these things. Behaviors. Behaviors. Bad behaviors. It's hard to change. But there are things that we can do. And God has given us his Holy Spirit to quicken us 
and to identify the things that we can't do in our own strength. All right, I've said this before, and I'm unashamed. When I was, um, like, when I was, before I became a believer and before I was married, I used to go to strip joints. Had my little dollar bill. Put my money where the money shouldn't go. And then I accepted the Lord. And I kept going to the strip joints. Because even though the word Yeshua became into my heart, that particular sin I was not able to conquer at that time, nor did I even want to. Then about two years after accepting the Lord, I was in a strip joint with a former friend of mine, and the Holy Spirit came into me and convicted me. And I started to feel like I got to get out of here and fast. And I left. It felt, what felt normal before felt ugly and dirty. And I left and I never went back. And that is because the Holy Spirit can do an inner work in you that's so much more effective than you trying to push this thing, because pushing it this is easy, it probably feels more like this. Trying to push some of our behaviors. Do you understand? That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has his timing. If you haven't conquered it today, praise the Lord right now, because tomorrow is the day of your conquering. Praise the Lord. He's, if you're still standing here, he ain't done with you yet. Come on, somebody. If you're still here, he ain't done with you yet. If you're still here, he's not done with that behavior yet. If you're still here, he's not done dealing with you with that sinful behavior yet. And you know what? There are some sins that we're not going to conquer in our lives. There are some behaviors that we're just not going to conquer, and we're going to die with them. But I'll tell you, God is so merciful. That's why it says that he gives iniquity to third and fourth generation, because you're going to be in the cloud of witnesses. When your sons and your daughters conquer this thing, and you will praise the Lord from the cloud of witnesses, because he is faithful, and he is across all time. Do you understand? Praise the Lord for our God, who's in all time, at the same time... And as scripture says, does not count our sins against us. There are things that we can do, and there are things the Holy Spirit can do. All right. You know, I I knew my colonoscopy was going to get into a message at some point. (laughs) I've been seeking the Lord for revelation about my colonoscopy. And today it comes forth. All right. So... I'm pretty good. I, I'm very grateful that the Lord has given me good health. Thank you, Adonai. Bless the Lord. He's given me good health. And I have to admit, I'm pretty good. I think I need my prop. I'm pretty good at doing what I can for my health. I'm good at eating right, mostly. I'm good at it. I'm okay with it. I'm good at eating right. I go to the gym. I exercise on a regular basis. I'm, I'm good at it. I, I, I'm, I'm diligent to get like seven or eight hours of sleep every night. 
I'm diligent to do that. And if I don't, if I have times where I don't get to sleep well, I'm diligent to take a step back and relax and to recharge. In other words, I do what I can. I do what I can to move this thing forward. There are things that I can do that I do. Because I'll tell you, if, if Moses lived to 120, and somebody greater than Moses lives within me, I'm going for more than 120. God willing, of course. I'm telling you, you're going to look at me when I'm 115, and you're going to say, damn, Rabbi, you don't look a day over 105. God willing. So I'm hitting 50 this year, right, Peter Wiggins? But now I hit 50, and my beautiful nurse wife says, you know, now that you're hitting 50, there's something you got to do. Because you may be good at doing what you can, but once you reach a level of that kind of maturity, there are things within you that you can't do that you got to go get checked. And one of them is a colonoscopy. So I'll tell you, prep, you know, the Bible, the New Testament has something called Preparation Day. You know, the day before the Sabbath, the day before pa- Preparation Day is no fun, I'll tell you that right now. I had to drink... I hope there's some sort of spiritual application in this because otherwise it's just plain gross. I had to drink a a whole bottle of Miralax mixed in with nuclear-colored yellow Gatorade, 64 ounces of it. I had to chug it all after two hours. Nuclear-colored Gatorade was coming out. And that was the only thing coming out. You know, the tabernacle is made of acacia wood, and the, uh, the, the Hebrew word for acacia wood is shittim. And I learned that within us, we do have shittim. And it all came out. But thank you, Lord, that it says we are acacia wood overlaid with gold. And that kept on going and going. I didn't get my eight hours of sleep that night, I'll tell you that. So the next day, I'm in the, uh, the room, the procedure room, and I go into position, which I won't emulate right now. And this angelic anesthesiologist says, we're about to administer the propothal. And I started to feel a little woozy. And the next thing I remember, I'm in the recovery room. Whoa! What? You shoved that big scope up there and I didn't feel a thing? (laughs) All right, so now we're going to get spiritual again. The doctor, the physician, comes into the the recovery room and he says, you had six polyps up there. It's okay, no big deal, not cancer, no nothing. And when he's up there, he's able to snip it out. You know this tool, they're actually able to snip it out as they're up there? So bless the Lord. I went in with six polyps. I came out with none. Okay, bless the Lord. Amen. But what is the spiritual lesson here? Regarding my health, as someone who's going to be 50, I take presents, by the way, at 50. I'll take gifts. June 28th, right, Peter Wiggins? Okay. 50. On a Saturday I was born. There's things I could do for my health. 
and there's things I need the physician to put a scope up to the deepest, darkest places and remove what I cannot. Do you hear what I am saying to you? There are things I could do, and there are things that are the work only of the physician who has the scope to go into the darkest places and say, this needs to come out, and I'm going to take it out. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. What I want to tell you is that where you are on your journey. Now, the problem with giving a message like this is people think that I'm being light on sin, and I am not. Book of Romans says, just because grace abounds, does that mean that sin should abound also? Paul said, absolutely not. Sin is a serious thing. And if you are sinning, if you are willfully sinning, I pray that the Holy Spirit convicts you. We're called to live a righteous life. But I want to encourage you that your identity is not where you are. And many people in the body of Messiah are held back not by the sin, but by the feeling of overwhelming guilt that they screwed it up so bad that there's no way forward. And today, the Lord wants to set you free from that. Wash off the guilt. Deal with your sins. Can God punish you if you're, if you're sinning? Yes. What good father would not discipline his kids? Can God... Tell Satan to mess with your life? Yes. What good father doesn't discipline his kids? And I say that intentionally. God allows Satan to do it, by the way. Satan can't do a darn thing without God saying, you can go this far and no farther. Thank God that 999 out of 1,000 times when Satan, whose role is to accuse us in the heavenly courtroom, and Satan goes to God, who's on the throne, and says, your son, your daughter messed up. I have a legal right to mess with your son or daughter. 999 or more of 1,000 times, the king on the throne says, get out of this courtroom. That sin was paid for already. But can our, our actions go, yep, you can go and you could mess with them? Of course that can happen. Of course. Can God withhold? Of course he can. He wants to move you forward. This is what a good father does, but it doesn't take the reality that the penalty of the law was put on Yeshua. That Yeshua saw the sin that you're dealing with today and said, forgive them, forgive him, forgive her. He doesn't know what he's doing. Let the punishment go on me so he or she can be set free. So know it and own it and be released and washed from the guilt. And the final thing I want to say about this is you may be I don't think I need my prop anymore. You may be here on this sinfulness to sinlessness spectrum. You may be here. Somebody you love is here. 
there was a comedian, uh, George Carlin. Anybody remember George Carlin? He died a few years ago. He said, uh, he said about driving on the road, he said, anybody that drives any slower than you is an idiot. <laughs> and anybody that drives any faster than you is a maniac! <laughs> we tend to look at people who are on the same spectrum as you, but not in the same place. There are people that you love that are dealing with sins that you have either conquered or don't even relate to at all. There are people that you love that have behaviors that you have either conquered or that you don't even relate to at all. I ask you this for your loved ones. The t in the tabernacle, the tabernacle is made of acacia wood, shittim overlaid with gold. Do you see, your, when you look at yourself, do you see the acacia wood or do you see the overlaid with gold? God sees the gold. That's why it's overlaid with gold. Earthen underneath, decaying underneath. Sinful underneath. But he made the tabernacle of that material, all of it overlaid with gold for a reason. Because that's how our Father sees us. So I ask you, for your loved one who's dealing with the sin that you've already conquered or that you don't relate to at all, do you see his or her gold? Or do you see the acacia wood? See, there's many things that can keep us from moving towards our destiny and our, our purpose. One is that guilt we feel because of our sin. And another is when somebody is always pointing out our acacia wood and not our gold. I want to encourage you, for your loved ones, to point out the gold, not so much the acacia wood because that's how God sees it. Do you understand? Thank you, Adonai, for this time, and thank you for this word, Lord God. And I pray that we, 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 we receive this, Lord God, and we receive that you are pleased with us. That you are pleased. And wherever we are on this, on this, on this journey, whether we're struggling with something or haven't yet conquered or we already conquered it or we conquered it once before and struggling again, Let us remember, Adonai, that you said in your Torah, be perfect, for I am perfect. And that Torah verse is not fulfilled by us being perfect. It's fulfilled by the perfect one of Israel, living within imperfect vessels, living imperfect lives. That's how it's fulfilled. Help us to recognize that and receive the authority and the power and the glory that you have given us. Thank you, Adonai. In Yeshua's name, amen.